Welcome to the Grow Fast Podcast, where we talk to leading sales, marketing, and biz dev professionals about how to accelerate sales, optimize marketing, and grow your business fast. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Grow Fast Podcast. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Grow Fast Podcast. Today, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking with my colleague and Grow Fast, uh, excuse me, not Grow Fast, uh, MemoQ RFP's Chief Revenue Officer, Alessio DeMartis. And we're going to be talking to Alessio about building rapport in sales situations um, and how you do that in various different kind of contexts. But then also we're going to talk about how to do an effective demo. Before we do that, I want to say hi to Alessio. Alessio, how are you today? Hi, Mark. Hello, everybody. Good, good. Um, Toronto is raining. As I'm, I mean, it could, be, it could be worse. It could be snowy, but it's all good. Hey man, you get no sympathy from me because I know you just got back from Aruba. So. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to start complaining a bit about the weather here. Right. Like, I'm from Seattle. Nobody, nobody can top me when it comes to complaining about the weather. And uh, and as I just mentioned, those are some nice flowers you have back there. And I like that. Those are, those are nice. Oh, thanks. I have a bunch of plants. I normally use a background uh, for my calls. So I never realize where my things are, flowers or whatever. So thanks for noticing. I, I, yeah, no, no, and I, I don't use a background <laughs> because it makes my, I, I have pretty thin hair and the backgrounds for whatever make me look like even that I have even less hair. I'm just, <laughs> well, it, it does it with me as well. I don't know if does you know it, Lynn. Pascal's, yeah, it just cuts it well, off. So, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> hey, hey, I, I got to ask you, I mean, I, you know, we've been working together for, at, at MemoQ before we transitioned to MemoQ RFP uh, for about three years now. And I've seen you in sales situations at events, one-to-ones and on calls. And I think that you're maybe one of the most effective people that I've worked with in terms of developing rapport. I mean, one, you speak multiple languages, but I also think that you, you, know, you, you kind of can have a sense in terms of how you can start to develop rapport. Let me ask you, first off, let's define what rapport is. What, what, when in, your, you know, in your mind, what does it mean to develop rapport with somebody? Um, establishing a connection. For sure. Then we can frame it in, uh, you know, a more business-related way. So establishing a connection to close a sale or to achieve a specific um, objective. Uh, but in general, uh, for me, it means establishing a connection. Okay. And can you give me an example of a connection? That's what we try always to do in, in sales, right? Where we talk about, I don't know, getting somebody's trust and uh, or just, you know, finding something in common with that person. Um, when we think about a process, it can be, I don't know, a call. Mm -hmm. um, we always start with small conversation, right? Complaining about the weather, for example. The weather, for exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that kind of set the stage for, you know, some the sharing some um, uh, common uh, things or maybe even uh, by contrast oh you're in california i'm in toronto i don't know creating uh, a stage for a conversation it's it means to me start um establishing a connection um it you happens like some yeah. kind of some kind of commonality for example or commonalities it can be there, there's a lot of ways to do it i would i would say that starting off with something in common uh it's probably the easiest way um, we often, either when we are, you know, working on LinkedIn or even at events, uh, one of the main things that we try to do is to get introduced by somebody, or maybe we went to the same university, uh, we live in the same country, 
so all of those things uh, kind of create a very first um, connection and then you can build uh, upon it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and that's one thing that I usually do before I meet with anybody for the first time is I'll go through their LinkedIn profile and oftentimes it will, it will find either common connections or, oh, this person lived in Japan when I was in Japan, or they lived in an, a, another country, or they've done some activity. A lot of times people post their hobbies or other kinds of business-related interests. Maybe they took a similar course. And if I just find that one thing, I can bring up and say, hey, you know what? I was stalking you on LinkedIn, and I happen to notice. <laughs> and then immediately <laughs> you're off the races with this kind of like a friendly conversation. Yeah. Um, to me, that's kind of like the, 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 the groundwork to build the, the rapport. Um, it's also something that, you know, it depends on the um, scenario we're in. Uh, if we are on a video call uh, or just a, a call, then we have also to pay attention to that. We, you know, we can talk about our hobbies, how we like, I don't know, running horses or whatever. Uh, but then there's another layer, which is appreciating and valuing uh, the other person's time and our own, because, you know, we are, we're working, we have a schedule. So it's different in different scenarios, uh, how deep you can talk about a specific subject or for how long, uh, so that you can keep everything balanced and actually get to the point where you want to get. No, that, that, that's interesting because I, I just listened to uh, Jordan Belfort, uh, AKA the Wolf of Wall Street, his book called yeah. The Way of the Wolf. And he talks about building rapport in terms of, hey, you want to establish trust and you want them to see some type of commonality with you, but you don't want to overdo it. And he gave an example of a guy that um, he found out his prospect was a duck hunter and they went on this like tirade rant for about a half hour of about <laughs> duck hunting. And he's like, dude, dude, you got to get down to business now. Okay. We yes. get it. We both like shooting ducks. Okay. Now you got it. Now, you, you share that. Now get on to business. So let me ask you. Um, what are you know some challenging situations for developing report because some people like you go in and they've got the poker face and they don't want to talk right they just want to get down to business so what do you do um the the thing is that when when we think about sometimes we kind of uh, you know box ourselves so oh we say sales people or we have to think that we always say that business is made by people to people and people are extremely different um one thing that we have to keep in mind is that if we actually notice and, and think about it and are aware of it, we also slightly change our behavior, not on purpose, but it just happens depending on the person we are talking to. Um, so if we are aware of this change, then we can also, I don't want to say use it, but just apply it in different situations. Um, if the person is a really shy person, then of course we cannot go there, you know, um, very energetic because you know the, the person is going to withdraw even more um we have to apply different uh, I, I would normally say it's like vibe matching uh, there there's a lot of talks uh, when I, I i follow you know some uh, courses or videos about sales and sometimes for, for me it's like it's, it sounds very structured like you have to follow these scripts or doing these things so you can get the other person attention um I don't know. For me, for me, it just sounds. If I've seen people doing it, it's a little bit it's kind just, of a little bit contrived or superficial, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like oh if, yes, if, oh if, that's really you know, interesting. 
you, I touch my ear, you touch your ear. You know, I look over there, you look well, over there. It's like, whoa, whoa, dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> that's, well, that's one of the main things you find in sales courses, right? Like mirroring and matching. It's very dangerous because if you don't get, uh, in a, if you cannot read the room or you develop that sense of uh, reading the room, then you can end up doing exactly that. Then it becomes creepy and you're not getting where you want to. <laughs> no, and, 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 and back to... Uh, Jordan's book, uh, that I, that's the one thing that I was kind of perplexed with with his book is he, gave, he gives a lot of amazing advice in terms of interpersonal communications. But at some point, it gets a little creepy because like at what point are you <laughs> becoming too manipulative versus just like, I, for me, sincerity works, right? I sincerely yeah. want to like kind of connect with whoever I'm with. And maybe, you know, I, you, you could say that sounds kind of uh, hokey, but it's true. I, I, I want to like just talk to people and be honest and open. That works for me. Uh, I don't know. That's, I, I think we're on the same page there. Um, among all courses, I also saw Jordan's um, videos and, you know, some, he has a, he has a lot. Uh, uh, there's a, 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 a point in which we just take different um, directions. Uh, exactly because of that. Like also, the way he has of selling, it doesn't work with me, for example. Um, all people are different. We also know that there's a specific profile of person that we just don't like. Just yeah. Nothing happens, but you just don't know it and you avoid that person. Even if you think about, I don't know, events or um, any type of social uh, scenario, uh, you know that you don't like that person, so you try to leave and, and avoid that person. So if we are aware, aware of that, the matching, that's why I talked about vibe matching. It's kind of understanding the situation. Uh, you know, the person is a bit shy. I'll try you know, to gentle, uh, gently start a conversation with them, ask about them. If the person is really, um, you know, energetic, then if you go into to, to gently, they won't even acknowledge you. Uh, so having keeping these things in mind without following a script like um i don't know to keep the conversation open uh, i remember now that you mentioned uh, one of jordan's video he said you know you, you go mm -hmm. oh yeah okay when the person is speaking i i, I mean I, I i guess i do it but in a very different way uh, to me really everything it comes down to authenticity like being genuine and, and that's exactly as you said it's not like a romantic vision oh we have all to no you have to be aware where it comes from that's it then you can modulate uh, you can inflect you know some of those things but it does have to come to a place where you're really actually listening to to the person because if not it would just you know be obvious at a certain point yeah, you know, so I'm glad we're aligned on that. And I, I can't argue with Jordan because, you know, he was making millions and millions of dollars when he was in his 20s. And he led, he taught literally hundreds of salespeople in his organization and then post, post that organization to make, to be incredibly successful salespeople. I also think that he sells is primarily B2C where he's trying to sell an individual or a family on an investment idea. For example, that's how he got to start. Um, and I think there's a different dynamic in terms of where we operate, which we're, you know, we're working in a B2B environment. Um, and, and typically there is multiple um, stakeholders. So you can't just go in and close a deal on one call because you were like, whoa, I did, I, I followed the formula and I got it. But again, so back to rapport, it's important because, you know, you, you have some commonality and it starts to establish some trust. Mm -hmm. Why don't you contrast like building rapport on a, I mean, you, when I was started doing sales up until about 
pre-pandemic, everything was in, in person, right? That, that was, and it, it was so much easier for me. You've got a handshake in, in Japan, you do a yeah. bow and then you, you get invited into their office and they give you a cup of coffee and you say, oh, this is really nice coffee. And then you, and then you, you look around on the, oh, you're a golfer or, you know what I mean? It's so much easier yeah. for me in person. Um, I, so why don't we look at in-person video and then at events where you, at events, events are kind of crazy because people are coming up to your booth or you're meeting them at lunch, alcohol's involved sometimes. Um, so why don't you like talk about those three different scenarios and some strategies or advice that you can offer? Uh, so probably the one we do the most uh, right now is video calls. Um, so I would say being friendly and genuine to start with, it opens up the conversation. If there's a, there has been an exchange of emails, uh, use that to previous on pre build on previous connections so you can actually move on the conversation. At an event, you have a lot of information that you can use nonverbal uh, to open up. Oh, look, you have um, a lapel pin or you have something else. So that helps open up the conversation. When you are on a, on, on, on a cam, it doesn't really work. Now you can see my background, so you can tell me something about the flowers, but sometimes you only see a wall and a face. Right. So you have to find another way to uh, open up the conversation. Um, and also it's a bit different, I find, to take turns in the conversation. Like you, you have to be a bit more aware of how much you're speaking and how much the other person is speaking so that it's a bit more balanced. Uh, in, in, when you're at an event, it's a bit different. Uh, you can first thing you, normally you are in bigger um, groups, uh, so there's a different dynamic happening. Uh, but in a video call, I think you have to be a bit more uh, aware of how everything is is moving. Yeah, it, it's interesting at at events, and I, you've probably noticed this with me. I I go into this mode of just like trying to connect people with other people. And and I don't know why, but it's just like, I don't want to sell to you. I just want to show you that I can help you and we can like be friends. And, and, and by the way, you're telling me this, I know this person over there is looking to do something similar to you. Let me connect you. And then I'll follow up with you afterwards or something like that. That's my way of, I guess, building rapport. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. I was just saying also, when we think at events, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's events and then there's maybe um, networking events and uh, happy hour events and this type of things. So if we're thinking more about, I don't know, a conference, then also a bit of preparation and finding the time to connect can also help doing that. Um, but in, in a way, for example, if you're um, having a drink with somebody after the conference, you might want to you know keep it, as you say, a bit less business focused and more talk about personal experiences uh you might you might want to you know add that person on linkedin right away because maybe you will forget about the name the day after you want to hold on to the business why, card. why would you why would you forget something <laughs> i'm just talking about you know general example <laughs> no but that, that, that can happen <laughs> general general <laughs> so it, it, it it's a bit different during the conference uh i mean you can be a bit more when, when i say Business focus, I don't mean selling, but, you know, it can be just adding value to a conversation where you're at um, or just, you know, remembering that person name. And then the next time you, you say, oh, hi, Mark, that's it. I'm not selling you anything, but I'm building the connection because everybody likes to be recognized. Uh, I like people when very rarely can pronounce my name. I don't care. But, you know, for me, it's a thing that's different. I was like, oh, you pronounced it well. So creating the type of, you know, 
I, I, I still call the connection is like the bricks then it helps you to actually on the third day maybe approach that person to talk something that is a bit that's a bit more sales related yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes people will come up to the booth and they're asking very specific questions and then it's a mm -hmm. business conversation right away. At the same yeah. time, while you're doing that, you're, you're also trying to build rapport and things like that. But, uh, but oftentimes you're just meeting people, like you said, in a small group situation or it's a networking time and you don't want to just go and say, hey, here's my, uh, my brochure. <laughs> Please buy now. So, Please um, buy now. But, yeah. but it's also true, though, that at events, people kind of expect people to go and introduce themselves. So oh, yeah. we, we can keep it in mind because I, I think that's a, a, a blocker for uh, some people, maybe not salespeople, uh, but, you know, at an event, people expect you to go introduce yourself. So you can just do it and it won't be weird. What could be weird is learning how to <laughs> exit a conversation elegantly, uh, but that's another, <laughs> another topic. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's actually an interesting topic. And maybe that's why I, I always say like, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. <laughs> maybe that's, well, that's a really, that's a really good uh, way, like bringing another people and another person into the conversation. It yeah. actually helps you to give you a, a way out. Because, I mean, we have to accept it. In at events, not all conversations are interesting. And well, let, let's be... No, no, let, let's be real here for a second. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, there's this thing that goes on in my mind that, okay, I've talked to this person for this amount of time, but there's 400 other people out there. Exactly. Right? So, and, and I feel bad about it, but like, because oh, you're like, oh, I, I, I need to meet everybody. So, so how do you deal with that? Uh, it's the same thing as uh, I meant at the beginning with the, with the discovery call. It's a bit of a, a awareness or with the demo, uh, being aware of time. So sometimes uh, this is actually mm, science. I, 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 I like to read, that's a bit mm, kind of my personality. I, come to, I like to see scientific evidence of things. And if you uh, look at science uh, behind discussions, uh, normally there's like a, a, a starting point, then it gets to the peak. Uh, and then, of course, it starts to go down when people, you know, start to say, ah, yeah, or, or they start to repeat something. Um, so that's the clue. I mean, expert in conversations, they will tell you to live at the peak of the conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. It sounds like the most interesting part of the conversation. But maybe when you start to notice that the conversation is kind of going down, uh, you can, you know, find a way to exit it also being honest and be like hey i haven't spoken with you know some that group over there so i'm gonna go around it's a good or, exit or at an event or how about we go over and talk to them you could do that too yeah same yeah. yeah let me ask, let me ask you because I, I i think i know that you speak uh english french italian spanish uh is that is that right and or is there yeah. any I've added Portuguese recently, so it's like underworks, but... I, mean, I, like, I like that you could just, yeah, you know, you're, the, you're, the European brain, you just put in another chip. Added Portuguese. <laughs> Us Americans, chips don't go in, man. That would be cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I added Portuguese. Um, so let me ask you, in terms of building rapport, are there, have you, are there any big noticeable differences between those different cultures and languages? There is, there are. Um, it, for me, it kind of goes back to being aware of things, uh, how the person is and uh, how you hold the conversation. Um, in the US, for example, 
people are more accustomed to be, I don't know, exposed to a sales talk. Um, so you can get down to business, um, I would say faster than with other people. Um, on with people, I don't know, with other people that live in, uh, in, in general, Latin America and Argentina, uh, they are much more personal in terms of relationship. Uh, yes. So sometimes it can also sound a bit rude. Like I came here to sell you this. Uh, you want to get to know, you know, the other person. And, and from there, then you, they know, well, maybe, maybe they booked the call. But if you still, you know, start with your mm, pitch, uh, something breaks in, in, in the communication. Uh, so, and also some people in, in, in some countries that are still fine with, you know, speaking English. If you propose to speak in their own language, they might get offended um, because they think, oh, you, are you saying that I cannot speak English? Like, I, I can speak English to hold life. So, it's funny because, you, you know, I'm in Croatia right now, right? And so, yeah. um, and, I, and I, I studied, I didn't add Croatia, but I just studied a bit of it. <laughs> just simple things and um it's funny because there's different reactions sometimes when i use croatian they're like um and i think it's mostly the the older generation they are appreciative of the fact that i'm making yeah. an effort. like i can say like excuse me or do you know where this is mm -hmm. or something like that and they're like oh but they, they're, they're just they're using croatian back to me just to kind of and they they're appreciative. that's a problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then but then like the younger generation they're like dude my English is way better than your question. I'm like, sorry. So, like, you say thank you, you say havala, and um, and and I'm not and I'm not sure if I should say thank you or havala. And um, and if I say havala, they're like, yeah, thank you, you're welcome. And I was like, damn, you're like, gonna have to feel this out, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, before we get onto the demo subject, let me ask you. Um, you sit on in, in on calls where people are selling you, right? And one of the things that I've noticed in the U.S. is um, there's like a formula now. Uh, you say, hey, you book a call and they, you say like, I want to have a demo of your product. And when I say I want to have a demo, guess what? I want a demo, okay? <laughs> but they'll spend 20 minutes of the, of the half hour call like asking qualifying questions. Qualifying you, yes. Not building rapport making me feel very, very much like I'm just uh, something that's going to go into their CRM system. And then they'll get a little bit into the demo. And, and, and to me, that's really annoying because like when I book a demo, what do I want? I want, want. <laughs> so I don't, and I'm okay with a little report building like, hey, Mark, da, 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 hey, hey, yeah, you know, you're from Seattle. I heard the Huskies did this or whatever. What, what are your thoughts on that? I personally don't like them. And when I don't like something, it's really hard for me to actually do it myself. Um, mm -hmm. So being clear on the purpose of the call, uh, it's one of the main things that make everybody more comfortable. And you want your prospects to be comfortable because then, you know, guess what? They will, you know, get out of the process in, in any way. Ghosting you or, you know, maybe... Uh, vibing more with another sales representative from the competition, uh, anything can happen. Because maybe at the same moment they are having, you know, four or five, six calls with uh, other companies. So you want to be aware of that. Personally, I like to take the qualification into a separate call. Um, first thing, because it's not only a qualification call. You are talking to me about your issues, your problems, how I can help you. And in the meanwhile, I'll qualify you in a conversation that's so important for me 
like I've been, I've sat, uh, sat in, 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 in conversations where the salesperson was literally reading a questionnaire. And for me, it was painful <laughs> to stay there and, and watch it happen uh, because that's uh, not the way I, I, I would do it. And as you say, being on the other end, you feel like, okay, they're just, you know, filling my dossier to put me into the CRM and see, and see what happens. Uh, I personally like it to take it separately, or if I have to do it in the same call, because maybe that's the method that's been used at the company, uh, I would still say, Hey, do you mind if I just ask you a quick questions just to get your profile? Uh, so then we can start with, with the demo. Uh, but I would avoid, you know, putting things together. Demos for me are about probably we will, we will get to it. Um, in a, in a minute, it's about giving or tell the person, okay, this is your time. This is one hour of my time. Uh, this is what you told me. Mm, that's the issue you're trying to solve. I'm going to show you what we can do for you. So if I take the time, because when you're qualifying somebody with questions, it's something for you, not for the client. And the client is not there to give you anything. The client is there because they want something. So if you go about, if you make it yours, then that breaks the type of connection. I, I totally agree with you. And, and I also like the approach of saying, Hey, I, we want to give you the best demo ever, but before we do that, can we just have a planning call to talk about, you know, what you want to get out of this demo? And, and most people would agree, especially if they're inviting other uh, colleagues to the demo because they want to yes. look smart, right? They want to, they, they want that demo to look good. And you tell me, okay, so who else is going to be on the call? What are they going to want to see? What do you want to see? What, you know, and, and give me everything, you know, and sometimes because we're dealing with software, it could be send me the files in advance and I'll show you how we, we yes. deal with the types of files and things like that. Um, so now let's get into the demo. Okay. Um, we're, we're calling in and because the, the report building process continues even through the demo. Yes, and absolutely. You don't want to do like a mechanical demo, in my opinion. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> mechanical demo, you could just show them a video, right? Like, here's the video of the demo, right? You, you don't want to make it interactive, but it's hard because you're actually doing the demo. So for you, when you, when you kick off a demo, like how do you kick it off for success? And, and it just walk us through the process. At the very beginning, I would, uh, try to build on the connection that I mentioned on the discovery call phase. So anything that's been mentioned, you can bring it up again, build on that interaction. You can mention names if you, if you spoke with the group. If there's new people, as sometimes it happens from the discovery call to the demo, then you can introduce yourself to the new people, speak with them. Uh, so you, you start from there. So you start showing that you, know, you, you have, you have a, a connection, you know something about the company. So for me, it's very important to set the stage. We talked about some pain points during the discovery call. So I'm starting the demo saying, we are showing you the program, the software, the solution to solve this, this, and this. Is it what you're looking for? If we haven't spoken about use cases, for example, in a discovery call, then you know, that's the moment they can uh, tell you, oh, but actually there's also this and this that we want to see. Um, it's important for me to keep an idea, uh, not a script again, but an idea of how to start, how to develop and how to end. Because if we are not able to just keep that idea of a structure, then it can happen that we end the call without a strong closing or without action items. Uh, so we have to be, to be aware of that as of as for not making making it mechanic i think that this helps already you mentioned for example um 
asking them for files. So if they see files they are using every day, first thing they connect better to the solution. Uh, but they also think, you know, sometimes when I, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm Italian, I'm a bit suspicious about it when people are trying to sell me things. So when they come to me with a, a, a file, oh, look, this is beautiful. Look how it works. I think, well, you prepared that file to make it look right. that good, right? But if I'm using your files, then I'm showing you, you know, that the solution works regardless of what I can prepare uh, for, for the demo. So that's an important thing. And another thing that I think it kind of depends on what you're selling, but I think it's really effective, always in terms of creating an, a connection, an emotional connection, is also having that person participate in the demo, like having a collaborative demo. Like, oh, look, uh, this is really easy. You can um, take um, command of the, of the call. I'll, I'll give you the mouse. Go here, go there. You see, that's done. So you're wow. already bringing in that person. Uh, and they, they can see that it's easy, you're guiding them. But the, the, the feeling they get out of it is much stronger than, you know, sitting at a lesson as we all did in, in school. No, but that, that's awesome. I, I, I've never actually seen that where, where you pass the control to somebody else. I think that's super powerful um, I, because, you know, I think our brains are wired and like we can focus on one thing uh, used to be for like 10 minutes, but now it's probably like two minutes because probably, of yes. <laughs> these things and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have to kind of change things up and make things interactive all the time and like ask questions and like, okay. And and so, I mean, do you make your demos uh, like, well, you just already said you make it interactive, but what are some other ways that you make it interactive? Um, uh, there is a thing that I read, I think it was in a article on Forbes. Uh, they, I remember it because of the name. They called it the James Bond technique. <laughs> I was like, wow, with that name, I want to use it. <laughs> and they, right. they, they were saying that basically uh, in, in, in James Bond movies, you know that you sit in the theater and action will start immediately. Like you don't have for the, to wait for the story to build. Um, so it, it, in a way, it was it's something that I've used depending on, I mean, there's not a cookie cutter solution, right? Uh, but it's something that I've used in, in, in my demos. If they told you, oh, I want to solve this, this is our you know, main issue, you may want to just go in, bam, this is the solution, look at that. Maybe there is a senior executive then, and we all know that mm, different stakeholders have different uh, needs. So if we think, for example, about selling a TMS, a translation, management system that we might have translators in the call they are looking into i don't know their day-to-day job so oh maybe i can look for this uh, word and it's much quicker but then we have project managers they are looking more in, in terms of productivity oh maybe i can slice this uh, big big file and just automate uh, send them into the translators but then we have senior executives as well maybe they are looking more uh, key metrics or how much money they can save using uh, translation memories uh, keeping this in mind and, and kind of uh, specifying, I think it, it's specifying the value. Like you show the features, but that doesn't mean that it translates into value for the people attending the meeting. So you want to specify the value. When you, when you say, oh, this is, you know, a feature, you see, one second, you have all the glossaries, all the terms that you want, then you're connecting with your translators in this case. So you're bringing them out, you know, of the lull of the demo. This is like, oh yeah, the, 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 that's interesting. But then you also, you know, don't want to lose the senior executive. So you, I think mentioning very clearly things that are of interest for different profiles of people attending the meeting, it makes it 
interactive automatically because you're you're reeling them in every time and you don't lose them because that's really what we are scared of here right losing the person's attention while we are trying to show them that we can uh, help them with something totally agree and i think the the, the, the point of bringing up the benefit versus the feature is super important because sometimes you say like, hey, we've got this uh, alignment tool and they're like, yeah, but it can save you 50% of the time and cut your cost. Oh, oh OK, now I get it right. You know, so, so you know, the, 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 yeah. the, the benefit, quantifying the benefit is super, super important. Um, I, I also think that. <clears throat> asking questions during the demo, it can be challenging because especially if you're doing the demo by yourself, ideally you have a solution engineer or architect uh, on, the, on the call with you um, and, and they can ask or answer the technical questions. But you know, sometimes you're doing the demo by yourself and in, in you want it to be interactive and you, you're focused on the, the mechanics of the demo itself. But asking questions and, and, and to the different stakeholders is pretty important as well. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. And actually, one thing that I keep in mind or simply I uh, notice when I'm not leading the demo is the silence. So I don't did, like did it. Silence bother you? <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, so there are people that when they're selling, they will just stop talking and wait. And that's a different that's a different application of silence. And I'm OK yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. But but when you're doing a demo. <laughs> you know, I want the people to ask questions. I was like, oh, what about this? Exactly. Can you yeah. so talk a little bit about that. It, it, feels, it feels like a dead moment, really. So right. if you want to, again, keep that connection, uh, you cannot, you know, put that moments there. Uh, even if the software is loading, you know, just come up with something, keep that connection, the conversation open. Um, uh, something I do, for example, is explaining uh, why we are clicking on something uh, instead of just, oh, let's click here and wait. It's like, so, no, I'm clicking here because this is gonna open you know, this window and from there we can do this, this and this. Now I'll show you in a moment. Uh, I might, I don't know, have also the uh, defect ability of feeling silence <laughs> very quickly, uh, but I, that's probably why I don't like it back, but I don't think it's, um, it's useful, particularly when you're having this type of uh, setting in which you are presenting something. You want to make it useful. You want to make it simple. So you don't want to fill it with you know, a lot of big words, features, uh, because you get people lost. So I tend to keep it simple. I mention other features like, oh, we can do much more with this, but you know, we will get into a training stage, an implementation stage. Then we will have the time to actually uh, go through it together. But what I'm focusing is what you want to see and the problems you want to you wanna see solved. No, I, again, totally agree. And it's funny because I've, I've walked into meetings before where uh, people had their laptops open and I was going to do a presentation. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to compete with what's ever on their screen, right? So I would just say, hey, you know, I'm only going to take 10 minutes of your time here. Could I ask that you close your screens? please. And let's just have a real interactive conversation here. Yeah. And, and they did it. And, um, and, you know, and they probably hated it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point is, is like that silence when you're there in, in when we're doing it virtually like this, if there's no, you don't know what, you know, what, are they, are they engaged or not? So those questions. You can't ask them to close the laptop for sure. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <If you're... laughs> so, um, 
Well, you know, let me ask you, um, tell me, like, do you have a memorable, memorable, is that even a word, a memorable uh, occasion for when you thought you couldn't build rapport with somebody and you actually were able to, and also a demo that went incredibly well? Just, just give me a couple success stories here. <laughs> I don't, I don't tend to um, connect naturally uh, with um, I don't know how to put it, like old style C level uh, directive uh, management people. Um, they, not all of them. I'm talking about you know that old style of I'm here. I'll, I'll you know make the decision and. It, it's not something that I, I like, uh, but it has, of course, happened uh, to have those people on the call. Um, uh, they tend, they, they want to take control, of course, of the whole conversation. They stop you. They tell you, hey, now I want this, this, this and this. And of course, I mean, everybody, I guess, because they're either you get into a fight or uh, you have to, you know, <laughs> leave him the space and you don't want to get into a fight but, or, or you leave him the space to... Uh, tell what they have to do, but you do want the control. I, I agree control can be shared depending on whom you're talking to, but you do need that control. Uh, so something that for me, it's been really important in these terms is to position myself as an expert. This is something that you build throughout your life or your knowledge of working in a company. Uh, knowing the product, for example, it's so important for me. There are different schools, like in sales, sometimes it's like, oh, I just need to know, you know, the main features and just enough to make the sales. For me, it's not like that. Just because of how I am, uh, first thing, I go into calls with much more confidence if I know the product. I know that I can answer uh, questions if they are tricky or if I know that I can tell them, oh, I'll ask and I know who to ask because it, I know the product. For me, it's, it's really important. But also... It shows, I mean, we, we've been taught since we were children, right? That uh, you listen to the experts in schools or anywhere else. So we are wired to do that. So if I'm talking to you and I'm showing you, I know the product, I know the market, uh, I know that I can help you. I'm pretty sure that you will also sit down and listen instead of feeling like you have to interrupt me to uh, correct um, the direction of, of what I'm doing. And then again, people are people. You don't always have a, um, you know, a win um, because maybe they just want to win, but letting them win could be still the best option because they don't interrupt the process. So yeah. it depends. No, I, and I agree that a lot of times there's way too much ego involved. Um, mm. and, you know, it's funny, the, but you, you talk about your knowledge and how important that is in, in back to Jordan Belfort's book. He talks about, you know, if you're going to get business, you need to do a couple different things. And, and I'm not going to go through the whole list, but one of the things he says, you have to be sharp as a tack. That's a direct quote from him. And you need to be a subject matter expert uh, and, and, and super enthusiastic about what you're selling. And, you know, I think that's super important because you're taking up people's time. And so you, you need to demonstrate that, you know. One, you can build rapport. Hey, yay, we're all friends and, and, and that. But you also need to bring some value to the table in terms of your knowledge. Um, I, I think that like really consultative selling now, it's the selling process. At least when you think about software, uh, softwares are getting more and more complicated. Uh, processes are getting increasingly complicated. So you cannot just come in and say, hey, 
you got x problem i got y solution that's it like that added value i think now it's like intrinsic to it like there has to be a value like you have to give that uh consultation side uh to 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 the prospect so that everything comes comes together so that's why i say it has to be part of what you're bringing to the table because if you're not an expert how are you gonna help them uh, as a consultant to get understand and get to purchasing the solution absolutely well Alessio, let me ask you this um <clears throat> kind of final couple questions here you know you didn't start off as a salesperson i think you started off originally as a translator right yes and no uh, mm-hmm. meaning um i got my degrees in in masters in translation interpreting i started as a as a freelancer um but then after two years i kind of wanted to create my own project um so mm-hmm. i started to be interested in entrepreneurship and i, I went to a startup accelerator in in in, in madrid uh, and then at a certain point i've also realized i always thought oh my god i don't want to i don't want to be a sales i don't want to sell uh, but that's because of how people were selling to me and I remember yeah. very clearly the moment, like the aha moment in which I was like, wait a second, I've always sold my whole life. Like I've always worked throughout my studies. I worked in retail, I sold pizzas, I sold clothes, uh, <laughs> perfumes. Uh, and, and, the, the only, and even when I was a freelance translator, I was selling my services. When I set up my business, I was selling my company's business. So I've been selling throughout my, my whole life. And I think also that's what... Uh, kind of fine-tuned uh, the way I sell, adapting to different scenarios or to different people. It's because I've seen them and I've seen them in different, uh, you know, settings. Um, so when I had that moment, I was like, oh, okay, then, you know, it's not bad. <laughs> I've been doing it till now. Well, well so, so let me ask you, if there are other aspiring salespeople out there or salespeople who want to up their game, what, what's the one, two, three pieces of advice that you would give to people? We probably start from being genuine, um, but being genuine and authentic doesn't mean being uh, blunt or overly honest. Uh, it's all about, I always say this, it's all about balance. Uh, you have to understand, learn how to read the room. So either you're a person that has, I don't know, natural empathy. So you notice those things, either you're a bit more, um, I don't know, mechanical in a way, if I can say that. Uh, so maybe you need to prepare a list with a few things. So when you start a call, you can say, oh, let me notice these things. And it helps you kind of gather information to, to start the call. Um, it, it will always be related to the profile that you have and which type of person you have. That's why I don't like scripted things. Because if you're a person that is an extrovert, then maybe you can follow that script, but it doesn't sound like a script. But if you're not the type of person it will sound like a script. So you have to find a way to uh, make it work for you. Maybe mm, watching other people selling. I did this when I when I, I was in the UK studying English. I used to have, believe it or not, a British accent. And I think that they taught us in pronunciation class well, yeah. uh, was, that, <laughs> was that you had to choose a person that you liked, the, you liked the pronunciation of, and mimic it. Uh, mm-hmm. or her. So uh, that that was what I did. And I think that with sales, uh, if you are starting and you're not sure of uh, how you come through, having two or three people that you like the way they talk, you can try to try different uh, paces or different 
techniques, uh, but then it comes down to make it to make it your own. That's where the authenticity comes from, right? It's your way of speaking to people. Is your way of building rapport. It's your way of selling. So it does need um, a bit of time to 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 build it. But once you find it. Uh, I would say that that it will work. People won't perceive you as, oh, he's just trying to sell him something. No, I really like that. And I, I, I like the fact that you start with authenticity um, because I really, I mean, we're just trying to help companies and individuals solve problems. I mean, we're not going to sell yeah. Eskimos. I mean, you know, our job is really is to find customers or prospects who who are looking for a solution and that we can help them with the answer. Uh, and and I, I like that. I also like the fact that you talk about finding your own style because, uh, you know, I'm going to sell differently than you and you're going to sell differently mm -hmm. than the person. There's probably some very similar principles that underlie all of that. Uh, but but at, at, at the end of the day, I think we have to be ourselves and we can't be too scripted. Um, Alessio, hey man, I, I am, I've really enjoyed working with you over the last couple of years at MemoQ. And I'm so excited that you came on board as our chief revenue officer at MemoQ. P. Um, we are just literally weeks away from launching our MVP. We've got, I think, 15 different beta customers signed up. It's a pretty exciting time. And, you know, it's kind of funny because we're, we're here doing this podcast so that we can kind of share knowledge about how to improve sales and marketing in organizations, how companies can grow fast. The MemoQ RFP platform can be part of that. Um, but we're also, you know, just being very open and honest in terms of how we, you know, sell so that any of our customers who are watching, they'll know what to expect. And I, exactly. my takeaway is this, we're not going to waste your time. Um, we're basically nice people that are just trying to figure out, can we help you or not? Right. I mean, is, is that right? <laughs> That's it. If there's no need for the sale to happen, uh, the sale won't happen, but maybe it will happen in the future. And if it happens in the future, it's only because you didn't push it the first time. Yeah. It's just about understanding what you need. And if you don't need it, but you know, this, the, the sale process was honest and it was helpful. Maybe, you know, people that will need it. And of course you will, you're going to say, Hey, I've worked with these guys, you know, you might want to give it a chance. So we, we are those guys, I guess. <laughs> awesome. It, well, thank you so much, Alessio. Um, I am not going to do a Jordan Belfort and say, sell me this pin. But the next time <laughs> you come on the Grow Fast podcast, I will say, sell me a pizza. Because <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I can do that. <laughs> no pineapple, right? <laughs> if you can sell with pineapple, then you're... <laughs> anyway, hey, well, that's, that's another level. <laughs> that's another level. Thanks, Alessio. You take care, okay? Thank you very much, Mark. Bye-bye.